Welcome to our podcast, What I Didn't Learn at Harvard, where super connectors who will be talking about how to network smartly in a post-pandemic world. I'm your host and moderator, Rajiv Jadav. I'm a reputation management strategist and social impact activist. My co-host is Victor Lee. He's our Harvard alum, and he will be guiding us through all the things he's learned about networking since he graduated. In the episodes that follow, you'll be hearing from experts who do networking well. Welcome to another exciting episode of Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Iris Grimm. I'm reading her LinkedIn headline, and this is exactly what it reads as, helping dog-loving executives, business owners, and entrepreneurs become the best doggone leaders they can be. I got to say, that is one of the most clever, creative, humorous, lighthearted, interesting headlines I've ever read. So Iris, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rashid. So Iris, can you kind of unpack that headline a little bit for us? Okay, yes. So again, my my clientele are people that are dog that are loving dogs, right? And the goal is for them to be become the best dog on leaders they can be. What I mean by that I provide leadership coaching and training, and I'm doing that by using analogies from the dog world to help them become better leaders, because there are many things in our interaction with dogs that equally apply in our interaction with people. And so I'm pulling out these kind of analogies to help people or help my clients get a better understanding of their leadership and also help them transform not only their leadership with people, but also their leadership with dogs, with their dogs. Oh, wait. So, so just to clarify, Iris, like, so are you, because one of the things that I thought, because I'm looking at the picture on your LinkedIn, it has you with a dog. So are you like a dog trainer, dog whisperer, or do you work? only with humans. Uh, Can you clarify that a little bit? Uh, That is a very good question. Um, I would say, I I say I am a coach who also happens to be a dog trainer. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that helps. But but you applied the principles of dogs, of interaction dogs to humans. And so, as I understand it, and we'll obviously we'll get deeper into this. But so uh, this is one of the reasons I was so fascinated by what you did, Iris. I mean, when we met. When we first met, right? Hey, well, obviously you have a terrific personality, and you know I thought you'd be fun in any case. But as as you know, the the, the podcast is based on on a networking methodology I developed mm-hmm. called the impresario approach to cognitive networking. And rule number two of the ten rules is remember that you are uh, networking with humans. Right? Yeah, most of the time. So so it's all geared around <laughs> you know the the foibles and and the idiosyncrasies and everything that people have. And what I thought was interesting is that you extended that to how we deal with dogs. Right. Trying to learn lessons from that so that we can deal with people. So it completely flips our formula on its head, which I really loved. Right. Because there's some examples. Yeah. Because think about it like this, right? When, When you have people who have a dog, 
and you are mentioning their dog, what happens? Their heart opens up, right? They're getting super excited to talk about their dog. And then by doing that, you already have them on your side, right? That is already building connections. That is already building um, or being effective in networking, finding something that the other person likes and also finding something that they like to talk about because that is how we are building connections with people. And therefore, um, it's so easy for dog people to get connected because we are already thinking we are a special tribe. Wait, so so Iris, let me add, so I'm playing <laughs> devil's advocate here just slightly. Of so does, course. does this work for cat people too? That's a good question. I'm not <laughs> sure because I am not a cat person. And not only that, you know, as many people say, cats are behaving completely differently than dogs, right? And they can survive without the humans versus dogs can't survive with, with, without the humans. But good question. So Iris, so it's part of, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of layers to what you're doing, right? Is So for example, are you saying that uh, you know, obviously that, you know, dogs enable us to create a connection with somebody because there's something to talk about, there's something mm -hmm. in common, right? But also we treat dogs in many ways differently than we treat humans. And sometimes we're, we're more empathetic towards them. And perhaps those are the kind of, if, if they can elicit, if dogs can elicit those qualities, we should be able to do that with people as well. Are those kind of some of the things you try to get from people? Yes, yes, very good, Victor. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? Because as I mentioned, most people, when it comes to their dogs, they are functioning from their neck down, right? They are emp empathetic, they have compassion, they are really loving their dogs. But then when they go into the workplace, they seem to forget their heart. They seem to not use their gut, their intuition, right? Instead, we are functioning mainly from the neck up. And we think we have to figure thing, everything out with our brains. And some people even think that they have to deal with other people in a robotic kind of way, as if being a professional means being robotic and taking all of the heart and the soft and warm and fuzzy stuff out. And so what my approach also is, is to help people to remind them that business is not just from the neck up, business is everything included. And so again, having a conversation about business and leadership and bringing that heart um, conversation in it by having a conversation about their dog really helps me to bring this message across to align their brain and their heart when it comes to business as well. So Iris, so I got to say, like, first of all, I absolutely love hand emoji, love your message. Okay. <laughs> first of all, just, I just want to like get that just like full disclaimer, you know, absolutely love your message. I'm all about, you know, like leading with the heart, empathy, compassion, you know, because I think all of these concepts are beginning to uh, become hopefully more mainstream in corporate America and, yeah. you know, are not just these so-called fuzzy esoteric concepts. People are like really bring them into like everyday management and stuff. Now, just to kind of, again, <laughs> for a moment, play the devil's advocate here. So I think the, so first of all, I, like I said, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. I'm a big proponent and believer of it as well. But again, just for the purposes of, you know, like, just call this like a stress test, if you will, right? So <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> right. So, uh, I mean, so the reason why 
like you said, people are very like empathetic towards the dog. But maybe the reason why they are empathetic towards a dog is because the dog is like a single, like it just is one thing to them. It isn't like necessarily this multi-layered being to them like a human. Because like, and what do I mean by that? I mean, like the reason you're not that potentially, you know, empathetic towards your sales team is because your sales team is responsible for your very survival. And if they don't hit their numbers that quarter, you could be out of a job. The dog is not delivering your quarterly numbers for you. So you can afford to be nice and kind and cuddly to the dog because he, he or she has nothing to do with your sales performance or your work performance. So if you can kind of like maybe help us understand as to like how that kind of the warm and fuzzies that's connected to a person's interaction with a dog can be, you know, like totally juxtaposed to them continuing to perform at a very high level at the workplace where their performance is what they need to literally survive. That would, I think, really help our, you know, listeners. Yeah. Okay. And let me answer that. Um, let me give you two answers to that. The first one is, you know, everything has to be balanced, right? Um, with dogs, as well as with people. Right. That means that if someone, for example, only shows empathy with their dog, but no discipline, then we know there will be dogs that get in trouble. Yes. Right? <laughs> so even with dogs, there isn't and, and, and the, the importance of has to be a balance. Right. It can't mm -hmm. be any extreme is unhealthy for dogs as well as with people. Correct. There are dogs that only get empathy, but they don't get discipline. The challenge, the challenge, or the 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 chances there that the dog will get in trouble, and we see this oftentimes. And that is also one of the reasons why dogs end up in shelters. Because when you ask shelters, they say the majority of the dogs that end up in shelters are not trained and they don't have the best manners. Ah. Right? Now let's look at leadership in a company. Again, what is the definition of leadership? I look at leadership as an equal commitment to relationships and results, never compromising the one for the other, right? So in other words, when I am leading my team and I want my team to really hit the numbers and, and be as successful as they can be, I have to be in tune with them. I have to understand where they are coming from and inspire them to greater action. I have to understand that they are humans who are struggling with their own issues that they may be bringing to work. And I have to bring some empathy in order to get them out of this funk so that they can focus back on the results that they came to produce, right? So, and so in both areas, there has to be a balance of the warm and the fuzzy thing, but then at the same time, the more hard stuff such as creating results and moving a company forward. I love it, thank you, I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Rajiv, I think you raise a great point, right? Because, you know, your, your sales team is more critical to your success in your life than your dog. Yeah. But people, people spend more time worrying about their dog than about the sales team, right? Right. And, and one of the things, and I don't know if this kind of fits with what you're saying, Iris, is, you know, we've had a bunch of dogs and, we've, and when we train them, what's interesting is you're very deliberate about it, right? What mm -hmm. do I want the dog to accomplish? 
Right. And then how do I do that? How do I mix rewards with, you know, punishment, right? right. So it's a, it's a much more intentional and thoughtful process with the dog. And then people show up at work and they're like, but you know, when they're dealing with humans, they're kind of all over the place. And it's not as, it's not as well thought out, which right. seems completely backwards. It is. And again, and these are the kind of things that we can learn from the interaction with our dogs. And there are certain things, not all of them, but there are many things that we can learn from our interaction with dogs and apply it in the workplace and create similar results, right? Just like if I adopt a dog or let's say you know let's use my example i currently have here a dog with um, with me she's a senior dog who who has a tough time walking because of the injuries that she had before she came into my house so she walks very slowly i did not consider myself a patient person but she taught me patience she taught wow. me you know even more compassion and really slowing down myself and looking at my walks with her from a different perspective that I now can say, hey, if I am patient with my dog, that means I can bring that same patience to my team. I wow, can bring amazing. the same kind of patience to the people that I believe that they are not as smart as I am, or that they are not as hardworking as I am, but I can go in there and maybe ask some questions to find out what they need from me in order for them to, to work the way that, that they, they, they want to work or, you know, to bring them up to the level where they can perform better. So you're very directly translating the lessons you're learning from dealing with your dog to dealing with people. Right, wow. because how you do anything is how you do everything. That is so true. Oh my God, so many truth bombs on this show. Wow. <laughs> so, so maybe we have we should change our rules, right? Instead of instead of treating people like humans, we should treat them like dogs. <laughs> right. But in a nice way. Right? But in a nice way, right? Because that is the thing, right? There are oftentimes it's like when you say treat them like a dog, that is has this bad connotation, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. But then, right. you know, in my house, if somebody says, treat them like a dog, I mean, I'm like, you know, you live the best life ever. Right. You know, that, you know, oftentimes people say to me, oh, you know, I want to be your dog when the next time I come back to life. And I'm like, yeah, you already have a waiting list. No <laughs> so I guess that depends on whether we're talking about first world dogs or third world dogs. Because and that the, is so true. the life experience is very different. Yeah. It is very different. However, here is another thing that you have to take into consideration, right? I mean, it can look as that the dogs in the third world, you know, have a bad life. But then when you're looking so at some of the dogs here in our first world, where the dogs are cooped up in a crate for 12, 14 hours and are never taken out on a walk, uh, that is not an ideal life for a dog either. Right. And that is where humans also have to, especially here in the first world, what I believe most of the time people only focus on themselves. What is convenient for me instead of what does my dog need from me? Similarly, as in business, right? It's not about what am I providing, but what does my customer need so that I can see whether I am a match 
for the customer's need. Because if I, as a, as a, as a supplier, only talk about myself, I'm tuning the customer out. When I ask the customer, be engaged in the customer, learn about their needs, and then find a way whether my services or my products can match, they will more likely buy from me because they see that I care about them. Right. That's very interesting because one of the, the uh, cliches, for example, you've probably seen in movies, there's one where about Lassie where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the child, the movie, the child falls down the well and Lassie goes to get help. And Lassie starts barking at one of the own one of the adults, right? And yeah. the person says to Lassie, "Like, what is it? What are you trying to tell me?" Yeah. What's interesting in that scene, I, I, this is, I'm sure this is unintentional, is right, is that they're, 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 the human and the dog are trying to establish communication. Right. They're really trying to understand each other because obviously there's a there's some kid who fell down a well. Whereas I think normally in human behavior, you're right. We're so focused on ourselves, we're not really trying to understand what is the other person trying to say to us oh wow right. victor going deep on this episode they're going real deep <laughs> well, well we, in the course of my life we've had like six or seven or eight dogs mm-hmm. right and they all had different personalities mm-hmm. and different needs and wants um and so the whole but the whole thing was you know obviously as a human i'm responsible so it's, it's right. incumbent on like you said iris it's incumbent on me to figure out do they need to eat do they need to go out? Are they feeling sick? Right. So right. you really have to be very attentive yeah. to their needs. Right. And not only that, you know, every bark, uh, a lot of times people think a dog barks that equals aggression, right? But you as a dog owner, you understand and you know that the dog that your dog has different pitches of bark right. and that the dog communicates through barking. But as you said, I mean, we are trying to communicate, but they obviously are not using our language. Right. So, what lang- so what language do we have to use here? We have to use the language of energy and body language, right? And in other words, I have to sense what is the energy that the dog is trying to convey to me? What is the body language of the dog that shows me whether the dog is nervous, aggressive, fearful, playful, whatever it is, right? And then I have to use my own intuition, my own awareness to discern what the true message of the dog is for me. Right. And then you have to communicate back to the dog, right? Right. I understand. And this is, you know, this is what I'm going to do next. So, So again, we're paying more attention to that. Than, than we often do in, in dealing with humans, which is, but but if we can apply those lessons, then I think it'll help our human relationships as well. Right, yeah. because I mean, if you think about it, oftentimes, what is it that we are doing when we are communicating in a business, right? We are, I come into my employees, for example, in, into the office of, of, of my employee. I don't even discern in what state of mind is this person. I immediately have a message, I shout it out, right? And it's like, I don't even care what you are up to. I just want to share with you this, right? And and I walk out. And oftentimes people are like sitting there like, okay, I 
I don't even know what just happened to me right now. Respectively, this is how miscommunication also can happen, right? right? When we are not taking the body language and the energy of the person into consideration and are empathetic and ask ourselves, is this person in the right um, state of mind for me to deliver this message? Or what is it that I have to do in order to, to ensure that the person receives the message the way it was intended? So, so Iris, like all, all of this is like really fascinating. So I have to ask you again, I don't think my question is going to be a devil's advocate question, though, for some reason, I don't know why I'm playing that role in this conversation. But, uh, but anywho, so uh, as far as you know, you're working with clients, uh, are you finding that a lot of your clients are in very large companies? Are you finding that a lot of your clients are in startup environments? Or are you finding uh, that maybe they skew for whatever reason to certain industries, like maybe technology, financial services, pharma, or something like that? So the majority of my clients are in the small businesses, um, you know, not not in the large corporations at all. And that is also not the, this is not the in um, the size of businesses that I'm targeting. I'm really target, targeting more the small to medium-sized businesses. And and there, it, it is really all over. Um, oftentimes, my, when it comes to me, also marketing and my proactive marketing is focused on the pet-friendly companies because there already you find the majority of them, they like dogs or, or have dogs themselves. And so having with them and, and um, having with them a conversation around leadership, about emotional intelligence, you know, about communication and using these analogies and the stories from dogs are by way more appealing for them. And again, it's also different for them because it's learning where we also include the heart, right? It's not just like sitting through a, a lesson and just taking it in from their, their brain, but then also learning it and, and including it with their heart. And that makes the learning softer. So Iris, just, just a small follow-up question. The teams that you're working with in small to medium-sized companies, are these like five to 10 people, 15 to 25? Like what's the approximate team size you're seeing? Good question. My my ideal size is really twelve, maximum of fifteen people, and I okay. like it. I like it smaller, and the reason why is is my my programs are interactive. I don't want to be the talking head, just sharing things. I really want people to be more engaged, feel comfortable sharing, um, and also in the way of where I can give them in that way even some one-on-one -on -one attention if needs to be, and that's why I like to keep my groups and my group training smaller like that. So just one last follow-up question. I promise, uh -huh. Victor. I know that Victor is like <laughs> exploding with questions as we speak. Uh, so my last follow-up question to that is that given, fine. So you work with small businesses. You work with uh, smaller size teams of about fifteen people. Does given that now many businesses are still working remote and working from home, uh, does that change in any way, shape or form, you know, what you do or how you're training people, given that they may not be in a physical work workplace where everyone comes and which where they see maybe a dog walking down the uh, the corridor or something? 
Yeah, no, I mean, that is not an issue at all doing it remotely. I have been doing this for the longest time now like that. And again, the, the main piece is also when I, when I do these kind of trainings, it's not that the dogs have to be in the room, right? It's not that I say to people, bring your dog and we are working here with your dog because that would be chaos because you don't know whether dogs are liking each other, dogs barking and not only that, people paying more attention to their dog than we right. themselves. The focus is back to them and again, it's just me using analogies and stories from dogs to hone or to communicate a leadership principle or to teach a skill by using also analogies of saying, this is how you would work, how it works with a dog. This is how it works with humans. And of course, if there's a if there is something that does not relate to dogs at all, then I don't even bring the conversation of dogs in. So, Victor, over to you. The stage no, is yours. No, that that's great, Reggie, because I, I love your questions. So I think because I think I think you know the stuff with Iris is really quite fascinating. So I just had a couple of thoughts. So one is it was interesting what you said about like pet friendly employers, right? Because that's certainly signaling to the employees and to customers the the overall the gestalt of the place, right? That, mm -hmm. that you know that they that they sort of I think you know conveys a level an additional level of emotional intelligence or, or concern about their staff and just the last thing i'll say before i think rajiv is probably going to we'll, we'll bring this to an end is that and we're not a political podcast but one of the many criticisms i heard about our former that guy who used to live at 1600 pennsylvania avenue as an indication of his overall emotional and psychological dysfunction was that he was the first president in years decades to not have a dog, and that that and that was an indication that he could not he could not emotionally or psychologically you know uh, communicate with dogs, oh. let alone people. Yeah, and, and, and you can certainly see in in the past how other presidents have sort of showcased their mm -hmm. dogs because right. it, it kind of it conveys a sense of humanity. Right. Uh, in in their public, you know that the, you know the Bidens have two dogs, and and things like that. So I think that, I think there's a lot to be learned from dogs. I think there's a lot to be learned, as as you point out, Iris, a lot to be learned by how people treat dogs, mm -hmm. and uh, and and how we can apply those lessons to other humans. So this has right. been great. Yeah, and and wasn't it even Gandhi who said that you know the the way a society treats their animals tells you something about the moral and the value of the society i yes. forgot what um it, it's a it's a it's a it's a quote by gandhi that is pretty famous i'm i don't know it now exactly at the top of my head but yeah i mean you know it's, it's 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 the animals that um that soften us up a bit right oh. and and it is needed again it's a balance there is a balance with everything, there is a balance. Yes. And I believe that is something that um, animals bring to us. And that is the reason why we are adopting animals. You know, that is the reason also why people are watching all of these funny dog videos on social media, right? Because not only that, it is it is proven. There is, it has been researched that when we are petting an animal, our stress level is goes down. Yeah, no, it's yeah. true. That's why they have 
the category of animals called service animals or companion right. animals or you know like certain dogs are kind of categorized as the what's that i'm blanking on the word but they're basically a kind of uh, uh, Emotion, uh emotional yeah. support animals correct yes yes emotional support animal uh, mm -hmm. as well as like one more category that kind of almost elevates them to something similar to like a nurse practitioner almost where their presence is directly responsible even for the superior well-being of the people around them as well as mm -hmm. maybe even elevating the spirits up significantly which is why you know they are there uh, to work with those like either patients or people in hospice or you know whatever the case is I mean the right. use case and the utility of working with animals uh, has been tremendously enhanced to the point that people are now working with horses people are working yeah. with dolphins you know all these like very emotional uh, like uh, almost spiritual you know animals that are supposed to enhance your I guess feeling of self uh, as well as maybe connecting to a part of you that you previously you know couldn't access for whatever reason right yeah yeah and again you know it, it, what they've also done the research is that people for example who are watching these videos their dopamine level goes up right right so all of that, what you mentioned, Rajiv, is, is the reason why we are incorporating more animals in our own lives, because for our own well-being, whether it is our mental well-being, whether it is our emotional well-being, or whether it is our physical well-being. Yeah, that's right? perfect. Well, Iris, this has been a doggone terrific session. <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh, Rajiv, I'll let you... I'll toss it to you to, to take us out. Yeah, thank you so much, Victor. Yeah, Iris, yeah, it really has been tremendous speaking to you. Uh, this is a very, very interesting subject matter, and I'm sure our listeners are going to be greatly benefited and blessed by it. We would obviously love to stay in touch with you, Iris, and love to have you back on the show where you can maybe share, you know, like a recent exciting story uh, with a client or a certain use case that, you know, uh, you're sure people will find interesting. Uh, but Thank you again for stepping away from your busy schedule. And uh, thanks again for your generosity and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Please send us your comments and questions about networking by posting them in the comments below. Or for a quick response, email us at didn't learn at harvard at gmail.com please like comment and subscribe it means the world to us try today's networking nugget and tell us whether it worked or if you hate it or if you'd like us to brainstorm a solution for you no charge that's our way of saying thank you for supporting us by listening and sharing our content with people you care about. That's all this week from Rajiv and Victor. Thanks for listening to Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Hopefully you learned something here today.